0: It's the TiltCast episode
1: 560. It's a plethora. And this week, guys, we talk more Baldur's Gate 3, Starfield, Armor Core 6, all The Eyes of P, and all of the upcoming games.
2: Stay tuned. October's gonna suck. Uh, we're back. It's a Tocast.
0: I was afraid you're going to be frozen there for a second, and I realized you just weren't know, moving. Right. Um, <laughs> it is September 22nd, about 7.30 p.m., 75 degrees outside, and we are back in business yet again. Uh, Rusty is doing things for the Illuminati, and it is just me and Jason tonight, so I'm not... Nice. I'm Jason. It's an M Rated show, and with the two of us you'll get about thirty minutes of bullshit. Bullshit.
2: Some games and some news. So yeah. We're uh we're back in the seat again. Yeah. Um so anything interesting happened this week? Non gaming related? <sighs> Interesting that I actually want to talk about in
1: public. No, uh, no, it's been uh, aside from from trying to st- get established with a new doctor. Not not a whole lot exciting out outside of gaming this week. A fairly mundane week for me, which is strange. For the most part, it's been mundane. I had one really big scare.
0: Um, on Monday, I was pretty sure that Lola had had a, uh, a seizure, um, which is kind of scary. She, uh, was playing rope with me and then she just dropped the rope, didn't want to have anything to do with me for a couple of minutes and then just sat down on the ground, like spluted out and then just started shaking like huge muscle tremors. And I don't know if she's in a whole lot of pain or if she was having a seizure, but I called up the vet and they said, you can bring her down. Said he don't even have to use emergency services because we actually have an opening right now if you can bring her. I was like, I'm on my way. As I just packed her up, picked her up and took her with me and then
2: got up there and she was a happy-go-lucky dog. Like, what the fuck? So,
0: I don't know what's wrong with my dog. She's been acting pretty normal since. Um, She's been getting treated crazy good this week. I decided that she was no longer going to be on on a pre-processed dog food and started making my own found out for her size and the amount of food i give her it cost me about five dollars more to make her food so i decided that was a thing i was going to do and it's just literally this is what i do i buy boneless skinless chicken thighs right throw three of those in the crock pot a cup of rice and then a dollar package of carrots and peas put the chicken in the crock pot till it gets pretty soft Throw in the rice for about half an hour till it looks like rice. Add a little bit of iodized salt for the iodine. Throw in my peas and carrots for another twenty minutes, and the the rice is not good enough for a human because it's kind of mushy, but for a dog, she thinks
2: it's the best thing ever. So she's been eating uh eating that for breakfast and dinner every day. But uh, yeah, so she's a uh, I know she has some food allergies, so we went to the vet and I got some
0: more, like while I was there, I was like, I might as well get the, whatever the shit is, a uh, andorfan or whatever it is that they give them that is like pharmaceutical strength, allergy killer. Yeah. And uh, re-upped her uh, fucking flea medication and then brought her back home and they've called me a couple of times to check on her. I was like, nope, still hadn't had a seizure. I don't know what's going on. It has all sorts of theories, you know, like <laughs> the super paranoid side of me is like, oh, did she like piss off one of the neighbors so bad they're like feeding her antifreeze or something? Like,
2: but you know, I know that's not the case. Like, who knows? Well,
1: I mean, it's like I told you uh, and, and it's something pity, pity breeds even even the mixed ones that can be very um, uh very specific as far as food ingestion, et cetera, right? That's what's so about too. You, I was telling you, uh we have been given ours Benadryl. Um and then earlier this year, uh, for whatever reason he started uh having these weird tremors where his head would just shake uncontrollably. Weird. Um, and we switched his allergy mass into
2: citrazine and he's been fine. Well, whatever the thing is that we're giving her now is
0: I say we, me that I'm giving her now is working pretty well. And I I feel like she's probably built up a tolerance to Benadryl because it doesn't seem to have the same effects it used to. It doesn't even make her tired, to be honest with you, at least not to my knowledge. Um, but yeah, she's uh, she's doing just fine. But other than that, that, threw me off kilter too because I'm also I've got a, I'm going to go into a wedding here in a few weeks. I had to find a friend to watch her for a few days, and of course, you know it's always like sketch to ask somebody to like stay at your house for a while unless you know them really well. And I had a couple of offers. I posted it on a pretty public feed on my Facebook. And in the last couple of last year or so, with me doing photography stuff, like a lot of people added me that I don't know that well. And I was like, Ah, oh, shit! I hope none of them answer. And of course, a couple of them did. Like, oh, I could come over. And I'm just like, I don't know if I know you very well. And then my friend Tim like responded like later in the evening. He's like, Hey, do you still need somebody? I was like, Thank God it's fucking Tim. I've known this guy for the better part of two decades. Yes, I don't mind if you stay at my house for a few days. (laughs) I will pay you good money. Um, Come stay with my dog. Um, I know you're not going to, like, potentially steal shit in my house. (laughs) Um, So, I finally found a dog watcher for the dog. And Other than that, I haven't been sleeping very well, and this is just an issue with me. Um, It could be a lot of things. um, But I just don't sleep. So, I've played a lot of game in the last few weeks. Like I mentioned last week, like I beat Starfield and went in a new game plus three, plus one, plus two. Yeah, plus three. I'm in a new game plus three. And I'm not sure. I think I want to, I'm slow burning it. So, but I'm doing things differently. So, I feel like you get a lot more out of the game. Well, there's a couple of ways to play. Without spoiling the end of the game, I think if you're in your first run, it's a, it's a good idea. Like when you look at the system and it says level one or level five or level 10 or whatever, that you just go visit all the interesting things you can see on a planet. Like you can endlessly land on a planet and find new things. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that it'll have points of interest on certain planets in each one of the galaxies and each of those contains a few quests. And it's worth going yeah. down there and exploring that because you'll get some decent loop, you'll get some get decent experience, and it'll all be leveled to your level. Um, similarly, it doesn't do as good of that when you're level 60 plus like I am right now. So, I'm level 71. Again, I'm on new game plus three. Um, so, I don't get as much out of that experience unless I just re-rolled a new character, which I totally could do, but I don't really want to do that right now. Um, and play it that way. And so, I've been, any of the quests that you do when you're lev- will level the enemies to you um, as long as you load into an interior, if that makes sense. So, you'll be out on the planet surface doing something and those levels will be whatever level the planet is. And once you get inside, it'll be level to you. So, I run into like level 98 elites um, as a level 70, which gives me great items. Right, And I have mine on hard. I've had it on the hardest difficulty before, but the enemies are a little too bullets on spongy. And the amount of time it takes me to kill them, it takes me too long to get through an encounter that way. That it does for me to just put it on hard and get better elites and get through an encounter inside of like 20 or 30 minutes, which is what I'd rather do versus it taking me like on the very hardest setting because it takes like double the bullets to kill them. They don't give you hardly any more XP. You spend a whole lot more ammo. um, And it's just not as fun because you get to a point where you're not as tactical. It's okay to have some enemies in the group that are a bullet sponge because they're basically an elite boss, right? But I want the other enemies that are still deadly to go down on like four, five, six, seven hits instead of like three magazines. Which on very hard, you run into like five enemies in a room that take like three magazines to get through. Which, that's just bad tuning in that case. So, hard's been the perfect sweet spot for me. And that's how I'll play it again if I start a full campaign all the way over. But, uh, yeah, I've barely... I've done a little bit of the main quest on the new game plus three. Done a little bit of the faction stuff. Been focusing on some of the stuff I didn't focus the first time around. Like, just some of the weird random story quest you run into with the activities. Um a big exploring a lot more derelict ships. Um those are no joke. Um they'll tell you what level they are, but when you go into a system, usually after you've visited planets, sometimes you'll see a spa a star station. And it'll have a number next to it. That's the level basically like expected level. Not the level enemies, but what level you need to be in there at. So like even early on in the solar system, like there's a level fifty like Docking or docking uh, space station that is pretty has some pretty decent enemies in it and pretty decently levelled weapons in it for me. So if you're looking for like random dungeons to do, like don't skip out on the star stations; those are pretty cool. And and then there's a casino, and I'll just say that much. But it's like one of the coolest things ever. Um, nice. I'm still having a lot of fun with that game. I've beat the hell out of it, and I could get a whole lot of extra gameplay on it. It's a really long game, man. Like, you literally could, you could just single play through that without doing the new game plus. And I feel like even if you didn't do a lot of random planet stuff that I do sometimes, you could get 250 hours out of it. Like, it's nice. it's just so big. Um, Again, it's not as good as Baldur's Gate. Like, I can't admit that, but the amount of content, there's more content in that game. There's a lot more random shit you can do in there that's pretty fun. Like like I said, even last week, right? I'm talking about it a lot because I've obviously enjoyed my time with it, right? It's like I'm level high level. I'm going to go to the high level planets and then go dungeon grind on the high level planets and get better gear. Right now, I'm really satisfied with my gear. So, I'm like, I kind of want to see how some of these other stories play out. So, that's kind of where I've been with it because there's so many of them.
2: Um yeah. Best loot quarter tip I can give you. Two things. Early on, um,
0: sell everything at Neon. Neon has five shops. Let's see. One, two. I want to say five shops. So, you can sell like 30,000 credits worth of stuff pretty easily without having to rest. And then you got to rest on Neon um, 20, let's see, 24. You got to rest 33 hours on Neon in order for all of that to restock on credits. And that's the fastest way to sell everything I've found. And that's one been my major gripe is like the vendors don't have enough credits. Like they could have four times as many credits because at a certain point, especially if you're like me, even at not picking everything up, but just picking up all the weapons, A, you get overburdened with weapons. And then B, you're hauling like $100,000 worth of shit back to sell. And if you find a single vendor to sell it to, You're selling it like five to 11,000 credits at a time and then you got to wait two minutes of real time depending on the planet or area for it to restock. And so, take you like 25 minutes to sell all your shit if it's a single vendor thing versus Neon which takes you like five minutes and you can sell like $100,000 worth of crap. Um, And it is worth picking up the guns. Like the spacesuits, it's questionable if it's worth picking those up because they weigh like 20 pounds a piece sometimes and then they're worth like half of what a gun that weighs two pounds costs. So like I almost only do sp- uh, space suits if they're an upgrade. The other thing you can do like mid game is build an outpost and then in the outpost literally just make a container for dropping shit off at and dropping all of your materials at. Like there's a whole in-depth thing with warehousing where I throw this whole, all my shit, all my raw resources into a sifter it sifts it out to a warehouse, which is combined materials. So like all of the weird frames and bullshit that it requires for complex builds. And then it sorts out minerals and gas and liquid. And it sorts all these into huge containers. And I found a planet that has aluminum and iron, so I can build an infinite amount of containers. Um, and so like I don't use my base for anything other than raw storage for upgrades. And I have a stupid amount of storage. It's ridiculous. But like you also should at a certain point just stop picking up anything you haven't tagged either because it just weighs you down and you have nowhere to sell it. So like you can't treat it just like Fallout where you just pick up fucking everything and scrap everything and have an infinite box. You almost have to think, like if you ever played 76, you had a weight limit on both your settlement and on you. So you really have to prioritize what you're picking up and what you're treasuring and everything else. But you can basically get infinite storage on Starfield because you can just build box after box after box after box and just store shit. But each box has a weight limit. So, I've got a whole storage room full of shit that's that I've pared down. But like most of my weapons that if I switch my tactics, I could go back to that planet and switch weapons out. And then different types of spacesuits for different loads I've got in there too. And then I keep a handful of things like that on my ship. That aren't part of my specific loadout. And it's better to stick to like a single gun like gun type. Like, pistols is kind of weak. You can start off with a pistol skill. I still haven't leveled it up. Shotguns are pretty OP and don't require a lot of skill, aside from getting up close and having good damage resistance. And uh yeah. rifles are pretty OP, and you find the ammo everywhere for rifles. You the every pirate. Every other pirate has a gun called a Mailstorm, which is basically the Galaxy's version of the AK-47. It's a horrible gun. And even at the max level, it's still a horrible gun. Um, I haven't found a good roll on one yet. But the ammo for it's usable in like two or three other different weapons and that are rifles. And so, like, you can just go rifles from the get-go and be just fine. Um, But, yeah, like, I, I basically stick to a sniper, what I call a close-range assault rifle. And then I got a shotgun and grenades, and that's what I take with me. But uh, last little bit about Starfield, there's a couple of good mods to use. So, it's a lot easier than I thought to mod the Game Pass version. If you go to the three dots on your Game Pass on the right where it says Manage Game, you can go to Browse Files, and that's where you drop everything. The first thing you should do is there's an achievement mod that'll not that'll let your achievements continue to unlock while you use mods, which should have been there from the get-go. but it's a file you drop in there and the second mod that I use, and this is the only two mods I use is an inventory mod that lets you see the weight of every category on your person and lets you sort, gives you more sort options. So I can tell if I have like 60 pounds of sandwiches on my character when I shouldn't. So those are, that's the mod, like star UI is the mod that you should have on that game. And I know there's others that are out there and there's going to be a whole bunch of other shit. But those are super easy light mods that I'm using right now, and everything else is pretty vanilla. But, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of fun with that game. Like, the more that I play it, it's it's my 4.75 of the year. Yeah, not my
2: 4.9 Baldur's Gate, but it's my super strong number two of the year. Nice. Um...
0: Before I go into some new games, is there anything you've been playing much recently?
1: I've been, uh, just still cracking away at Baldur's Gate, though. I've... I
2: I did a lot
1: this week. Um, so I've pretty much, uh, uh, I think broken through and completed, um, the whole cursed area around the Moonrise Towers. I just finished last night. The no, I didn't realize I was getting into it till I was too far into it to stop. So I was up a little too late last night. Um, uh, did that big boss battle in Act Two. So did you get to Act Three? Uh, well i I saved the game and exited as soon as the. <laughs> the fight was over, and I got the gem off of his armor.
0: So how many hours
2: are you in now?
1: Uh, let's see. What the, what does Steam
2: say? Uh, Steam says... Steam says 74.2 hours. Damn. You spent a good 15 hours longer than I did
0: before I got to act, too.
1: You mean before you get into or Act 3? Into Act 3, I, I'm yeah. I'm ready to... Basically, where I'm at is I'm ready to head into Baldur's Gate.
0: And Act 3 is about as long as Act 1 and 2 combined. Yeah. So, uh... And it's it starts pretty slow. A lot of different things depend on what you did right up to that point, but it does start pretty slow, and there's a few... De- it's not actually... It's deceptively big. There's a a whole underground area you can miss. Um, I will say that, and you'll figure that out as you get there. And I'm not just. There's more than one underground area, but everything kind of interconnects.
1: But that that twist to the story there there at the end of Act Two, I wasn't expecting.
2: We can talk about it off show, but yeah, yeah, right
0: on. Yeah, I think. as you get th- further through that game, I think, especially for you who's got a lot more responsibility on a day to day than I do, this will probably take you into the end of next month to beat
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, it, could, it It depends on what happens with schedules, you know, yeah, um, but the uh but man, I'm just still really enjoying this game it is god they did such a great job crafting this game
0: it's a it's an extremely well crafted game and uh they nailed it i was reading a story that it gotten passed over because they by microsoft's game pass because they didn't think that it was going to do as good as it was so for example payday 3 which is on there right now getting pretty mixed receptions for how broken it is. And I'm not a payday fan, but that was a $300 million acquisition where Baldur's gate three would have been a $5 million acquisition to put on game pass five versus Whoa. 300 because of the size of the studio and yeah. what they've put out before. And they were thinking like, cause it was on stadia. It was a stadia flagship release and they were th- with stadia going under and it never quite, like, it released partially on Stadia in early access, but never full release. Like, they figured that it was just not going to do that good, and then, of course, then it's exploded, and sold as one of the best-selling games this year. So, like, it's, uh...
1: Well, and I think they also...
2: They took some because, egg on the face there. Uh... uh.
1: Both of the Dark Alliance games, as much as I personally enjoyed the shit out of them, you know, those being the most recent Baldur's Gate games after this, both Dark Alliance games didn't have the amount of sales that Baldur's Gate one and two had. So I think that played a part in their decision too. I think they thought
2: well, they are probably well, thinking it's like not
1: going to be the crowd for it. Uh, not thinking about the the boom in D and D specifically, as far as you know, streaming and just overall play. Et well, cetera, it's right,
0: and it's good for a couple of their home studios because two of their home studios now, which are two of my favorite studios ever, are going to benefit from this because they also make well crafted CRPGs. I mean, you've got In Exile, right? The Wasteland guys and Old Fallout. You got Obsidian again. The best the best Fallout studios Fallout. To, to date, um, we've also made CRPGs both under their wing. And they got to be thinking like, hey, maybe it's time for Exile to do something like this, right? Maybe it's time. And it's weird because like Obsidian and Exile are both doing completely different games. Like Exile is doing kind of like this weird Bioshock themed like first person game, which – first person's never been their thing so we'll see how that turns out and then you've got obsidian doing avowed which is like a more narrative focused skyrim style game which obsidian like they do good story writing because they got what's his name josh sawyer um yeah so we'll just have to see but like you know Outer Worlds was decent, but not Obsidian's best work. Like, I liked it, but there's just something with the pacing of that game that's just a little bit off. Um, I mean, it, it's like it a was, solid four out of five, but it's just it's not as good as some of their other stuff. It,
1: it was good, but because of the pacing issues in the third act, there just really didn't feel like there was a lot of replayability to that game.
0: It didn't feel like the game was that long either. The areas were kind of small. It's kind of linear in its approach. Like, there's – it's – I say that. You can solve issues a lot of different ways, but the level to level, like, you can't really play it much out of of
2: order. It just feels condensed. They're definitely working within a budget. Like, it's –
0: If they did another one, I'd definitely play it because I'd like to see what they improve on and if they improve on the pacing and the scope. But I am more looking forward to about and seeing what they do. I'm I'm glad that Microsoft has those two studios because, again, those are PC gaming studios that I grew up with, you know, um, basically doing CRPG stuff. And CRPGs have been my jam as long as I've been an adult, basically. Fallout 1 and 2 were my first real, I guess, M-rated experiences as a PC gamer, because the first PC games that I was playing, you know, I'm not going to count the bullshit Mac games I played when I was a kid, but the, you know, it would have been Final Fantasy 9, I think, whatever one had Questus and Squall in it. Yeah. Um.
1: So like this and scroll, that was eight
0: eight okay so yeah eight the one that was kind of going for more of a emo yeah very emo Um,
1: very emo but very um at the time modern real world with a lot of what was in it so oh yeah
0: you didn't black mages didn't look like black mages
1: yeah it it took a lot more of the sensibilities of um you know the the nineties, early two thousands America into that game, even more so than Final Fantasy
2: Seven did. Yeah, it has a I'm remembering it with rose colored glasses, but I don't remember what it actually Yeah, it looks a lot more uh, basic. Looking at screenshots now. Well, yeah, but that's also a shit that came out in what ninety something, ninety eight, I think, uh, ninety
1: nine. Yeah, I knew it was right there. So yeah, I know. was like
0: sixteen, seventeen when that game came out.
1: Twenty-four years ago, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely it was one of my. It was I built a PC with a Voodoo card for that. Um, mowed a lot of lawns, put in a lot of siding to get that game in that computer. A whole summer's worth of working at Arby's plus putting in siding with my dad's friend.
1: I yeah. I ran that shit on a on an Intel Pentium Four. Integrated graphics.
0: Mine was a voodoo card. Yeah, mine was a voodoo card, and I remember breaking down. My grandfather had a gateway PC, and his son-in-law lived with him at the time and convinced him to go ahead and upgrade. So I took the shell of that gateway PC. We're talking old, right? Cal computers. Um, I took the shell of that with the processor, added a voodoo card to it, and more RAM and a bigger hard drive, and that became my gaming PC. And then, of course, I had the... She had a really good monitor, now that I think about it. I had a Trinitron that, at the time, I found secondhand for, like, 100 bucks, Which, nowadays, that same Trinitron is, like, $700, because it's, like, perfect for retro gaming. And But, yeah, it literally weighed, like, 200 pounds or something. Like, it was so fucking heavy. And the desk I had it sitting on was, like, solid steel. So, like, it was... Everything in that room was just heavy. That computer sitting on that desk with that monitor sitting on that desk was so heavy. And that game was like six DVDs or something like that. Remember buying the PC game in a Babbage's of all things, right? And it was this book. It looked like a yearbook that had all of those DVDs or CDs in it because there weren't DVDs yet, I don't think.
1: Maybe there was, yeah, there was DVDs. Shit, I bought mine in a Hastings
0: yeah hastings was by my old college dorm, so we bought doom three for that same p c that I continued to mod but um rose colored glasses aside, I did play some other things um I'd heard there was a big patch for uh Jedi Fallen Order. I've been anxious to play that game for a while jedi survivor jedi survivor, yeah, and I've been anxious to play that game for a while. I've only gotten through the first couple of acts. And I can't remember the name of the planet that I'm on, but it's the first planet where you have a hub and you live in a bar. And it does a lot of weird stuff with the animation. Uh, Digital Foundry did a pretty good thing saying it was the worst optimized game of 2023 on PC, and I tend to agree. It just bottlenecks. It doesn't, my GPU usage um, never goes above 60%, my CPU usage never goes above 20%. It only seems to use like a handful of cores at a time, um, and it just runs like shit. Like I was, I was in an interior area when I finally loaded it back up, and I was like, "Oh, this is looking pretty all right." Like it looks like with DLSS and frame generation, it looks really good. The lighting in here is really good with ray tracing. I didn't have any enemies in this area because it was just a temple that I was just solving a puzzle for. It's one of the rumors, so I solved it. Everything's running at like. 80, 90 FPS. I was like, man, this is great. Get outside and I'm fighting some random droids and some animals and the frame rate just goes like a yo-yo all over the place. I was like, fuck it. I'll turn off ray tracing. So, I turn off ray tracing. It's exactly the same. Like, I'm still sitting at like 50, like anywhere from 10 to 50 FPS. And when the laser bolts started firing, like it just got shitty. I was like, I can't even fight. Like, this is stupid. And so I went to a save point, meditated, turned it off. I was like, maybe there's something in my settings that I'm doing wrong. I was like, I'm using frame generation. I'm using DLSS. I dropped it from 4K down back to 2K. Something's wrong. I was like, this is the same attitude I had last time I did this. So I started looking around. Then I found the digital foundry video that showed that basically nothing had been fixed aside from adding a feature. And even with adding the feature, like when it's doing frame generation, it's getting herky-jerky on the non-inserted frame with the animations, which is one of the other reasons that it just looks weird as fuck. It still takes, like, a minute or more every time you turn the game on to load in shaders. I want it to play so badly, and it just is not playable right now on PC. Um, even with that, I've, again, I'm I'm not running a poor man's PC, and neither are you, Jason. Like, you're running a 3080. I'm running a 4090. I'm running a 5900X and, on there.
1: like. And I, all expectation would be if my 3080 struggles, your 4090 should be able to power through it.
0: But it doesn't even brute force it. And it's not like, it's like I'm running my RAM on an XMP profile, so it's running at 3600, and I'm running on an NVMe. So, like, I'm at the optimal setup to run this on pretty much any setting. And turning settings down, yeah. turning it down to medium, turning it down to 2K, turning off ray tracing, and adding frame generation in and DLSS performance, I can't get consistent performance. It just yo-yos all over the place. It runs buttery smooth for a minute, and then out of nowhere, it just fucking just buries itself in the dirt, and it's just inconsistent and distracting and shitty. And it makes me mad because I really want to play that game.
1: Yeah. So from what I found found out, right? Uh cuz when you told me that I started looking around and apparently
2: um Nvidia GPUs are struggling on this game with any
1: any Ryzen CPU that is not
2: um uh Ryzen five or the current um socket the AM AM four socket or AM five socket right so mine's a
0: Ryzen nine fifty nine hundred X I think is that the yeah,
1: so you would have to have a seven you would have to have a seven thousand series CPU
2: that doesn't even make sense.
1: Or an Intel 11th Gen, 12th Gen, or 13th
2: Gen to not have trouble. Because it's weirdly CPU-bound? Right. And then the uh, an Intel 11th Gen
1: and up works better because it's got the... <laughs> Um, resizable bar optimizations, right?
0: Well, I'm not going to get myself a Ryzen 9 39 or 7950X. Right. Because I don't want to upgrade my motherboard and all my RAM right now.
1: And because my Intel CPU is a ninth gen CPU that doesn't have resizable bar,
2: that's my CPU bottleneck. Until they fix optimization. Yeah, and I got
0: like a 64 megabyte cache on that thing. Like, that's the thing I was thinking. And
1: I've literally had no issues with any other game. Yep, it's just how they're optimized and what hardware they're optimized for. If you want ray tracing and you want anything other than higher than medium quality textures,
0: uh, well, it doesn't matter the setting. You, the texture no. streaming's fucking broke on my computer.
2: You've even tried going down as I went far low, as medium. I went low in performance mode.
1: I get the same exact issues. You try low without ray tracing and see if. Well, you ray tracing is the
0: first thing I d- I dumped. I can't get it to run like yeah. any bit normal. It runs the same no matter what setting I put it on slightly improved fps but the consistency of the fps is the problem drops down to like 10 jumps up to 100 drops down to 10 jumps up to 100 like it's it's fucked up
1: they're just not optimized for enough equipment configurations Uh,
0: i don't think they optimize it at all to be
1: honest
2: with you which is sad because fucking fallen order ran great Like I never had any issues with Fallen Order. Yeah, it just it makes me so mad. I, you know, it, I what? Well, like when you talk I about like
1: I, game of the year, and we're talking at the, the
0: when we're talking at I the end of the end year, it's going to be my. Days.
2: Oh, go ahead. Jeez,
1: I think what I said the other day was perfectly summarized it this is $70 that we're never getting back and we're never getting our enjoyment out of.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to borrow that game from Trent and I'm just going to wait till close to the end of the year. But honestly, it's still like the biggest... It's the biggest disappointment this year. Like, It's the first time I'm like, I wish I'd have bought this on a console so that I could enjoy it because it was obviously optimized for consoles as nobody on consoles is bitching the way we are. But I also don't want to... I don't, you know, it's probably not 60 FPS on console. Like, it still drove me batty to play quote-unquote performance mode on God of War and see it drop into the 40s, and after playing 60 to 100 plus FPS on everything, like, I see a difference, and it feels lethargic to me. Um, And so, I, at this point, I always optimize for matching my refresh rate on my TV, which is 120 hertz, and then after that, bumping up whatever setting, and Honestly, everything else, I basically get there without having to do anything. I know, like, a lot of people are saying Starfield's optimization's busted. It probably is, but I'm brute forcing the fuck through it. I run anywhere from 90 to 120 FPS on it. I've got it on perfect settings.
1: Well, yeah, there's... And it still doesn't have... And it's FSR2. It's out there. There's plenty of anecdotal evidence out there that it's not optimized to run well with any graphics card below a 4080 or a, um, a RX 7800.
0: Yeah, but you're running uh, everything at 1080p. So if you run it because of your monitor, right? Like, yeah, you should be able to run it max settings all the time.
1: Yeah, and I'll even be fine at 2K, I'm not running it. Yeah, I'll be fine, because I'm not trying to run at 1440 or or 4K or even ultra-wide.
0: Yeah, Rusty's running at... There were some ultra-wide support issues for that game, and we had to find an FOV mod for him so he could get it to work.
1: Uh, But it's still... There's plenty of evidence out there that was poorly optimized for anything other than the beefiest of GPUs.
0: But the thing is, is I... Actually was able to play that, and it was a chonky game. Like, it put me in a weird spot, right? Like, I beat Starfield, I'm on New Game Plus, and it's like, fuck, there are games out there that I have in my possession I need to play, so I need to shelve it for the minute and play some other things, and I'll use this as my in-betweener. And in my head, it was like, I want something a little bit zen, like presents challenging points, but not challenge all the time. Maybe something kind of story-based. And the three games I have in my docket are Jedi... Armored Core 6 and Liza P. Now, Armored Core 6 and Liza P are not easy games. And then there's Star Wars. And I was like, I could probably, you know, get some good, a good amount of enjoyment while playing this on normal settings and just kind of like hack and slash my way through this game. Because it wasn't, every boss I've faced so far wasn't incredibly hard, to be honest with you. Like nothing, it was challenging, but enough to get in like two tries, you know um, nothing, nothing face melting. So I was like, that's the guy I want to play. And then it didn't work. I was like, fuck you, EA, fuck you. And, uh, so then I was like, I guess I got to get good. So I downloaded Liza P. Um, and then I booted up Armored Core. And initially with Armored Core 6, I wasn't used to playing a game at that level of difficulty. So I like, died like fucking crazy for about the first two hours of getting back into that game and just remembering the controls and how everything works. And I've been chipping away at it. There's some things that have taken me multiple tries to beat. I'm There's five chapters. I'm at the end of chapter four on the last part of that, but I haven't gotten back. I played it a little bit before we got on the show today and advanced to the last part of the chapter, and it's pretty hard, so I've got to retool my mech again. There was a particular boss in like mission two or three of act four that was incredibly hard that really took me, I don't know, like the missions are fast. It took me 30 minutes of figuring it out before getting to that boss and then finally destroying them. I figured out that the meta for that game in most instances is dual Gatling guns for me. The fast tank treads. And then one of two things, either plasma missiles plus the 10-missile launcher or um, – what's the other one? It's called songbirds. They're like double bazookas that you put on your, on your shoulders, and they do a stupid amount of damage. So, I finally yeah. got through one of these encounters that was giving me a lot of trouble by putting on tank dreads, strafing around them like fucking – like a maniac – getting in close and pummeling the fuck out of him with Gatling guns and dual bazookas, basically, just backing this dude into a corner and just unleashing on this guy for, like, three minutes straight. Um, And that particular strategy of either dual missile launchers or dual bazookas plus Gatling guns fucking owns. And the other way to do that is dual shotguns, So I've got two laser shotguns, which I can equip, plus dual bazookas, which was another tactic on the boss. Immediately following that, that I one-shot him with dual shotguns and dual bazookas with tank treads. And then another strategy I found that I like a lot is, <laughs> this is stupid, but I've got missile launchers on both hands and missile launchers on my back. And the missile launchers on my back are varying damage, but also a huge stagger amount. And the uh, missile launchers on my hands just continue to just keep pew-pewing. And I get these tank treads that let me hover through most of the level called tetrapod legs. And I just turn into a hovering missile boat and just fire missiles just nonstop at things. They carry a stupid amount of ammo. So that has been a really good strategy for certain areas, too. I still have not gotten good with melee in that game. Um, although one boss required me to use this thing that's like a spear to get in close. But I've, like, chipped through that way faster than I thought I would. Um, It's a pretty hard game. Not going to lie, like, I can replay levels, and I have, and some of the bosses still challenge me. Like, there's one really hard boss kind of early in the game. It's a guy that shoots out a fuckload of missiles and lasers and lights the ground on fire and does all this bullshit. And then I found that my strategy of uh, dual gatling guns and dual missile launchers, plasma launchers, um, fucking smoke this guy now. So, like, I have the boss that used to, like, eat my fucking lunch on farm because it's a DPS race boss. I have better weapons now. I understand the strategy. I understand that it's a pressure. Just put pressure on that boss like no tomorrow. And honestly, that's, like, the one thing I like about it. It's, like, the Bloodborne of mech games, it's so fast paced. And it wants you a lot of times to play so aggressively, Um, like it's an adrenaline rush, but it is kind of hard to play that game for multiple hours straight because it's, it's intense all the time, like all the engagements are intense, everything's intense about that game. And so, I don't know, it's an interesting game, like. So far, like I said, I'm, I've got a little bit of game left and I'll beat it, but who knows how long hard that final boss is and what I need to get. But, like, they have these arena bo- bosses that you can fight that give you extra items to unlock certain things on your, like, hard stats for your mech. So, like, for me, I increased the healing from heal kits or from engineering kits or whatever they call their health packs. And then yeah. I increased my toughness on my mech and then increased my ballistic damage. So, like... That, and I gave myself a kick because I found out that I really like dive bombing something and kicking it um, because it adds a lot of damage to something. There's, the mechanic with this game is it's called stagger. And so when you do ballistic, well, it's not even just ballistic, but every weapon has a stagger value. And when you fill up the stagger gauge on an enemy, it kind of stops them in their tracks for a minute and they take like double damage. So the goal is with any fight to rain death on something until you stagger it and then unleash damage on them while they're staggered. So having, it could be something as simple as going in with like dual plasma of shotguns and wearing something stagger all the way down and then unloading on it with like two cannons or two bazookas once they're staggered to get that extra punchy damage once they're staggered, um... There's a whole lot of jumping around in that game and a whole lot of circle strafing with tank treads, which is what I like to do a lot. Um, I play it a lot like Quake. Um, it's a good game. Again, it's a very intense game, though, so it's kind of hard for me to play it in long stretches. Um, which brings me to another hard game, uh, Liza P. Um, don't play Liza P like Dark Souls. It's a different animal. It's uh, It has a pretty generous parry window. So, Sekiro has this like 0.2 millisecond, I don't know, like 0.2 second peri-window timing, right? And you have to like hit it on the nose. And if you have like any input lag or any lag period, you just don't hit it. And I never got good at it. Maybe if I go back through it, maybe I get better. I got better. But I suck at Sekiro. Just going to throw that on the table. Never finished it. Um, Bloodborne, I'm pretty good at Bloodborne. I never finished it though. Weird come from somebody that's beat the hell out of all the Dark Souls and Elden Ring. Yeah. And Demon Souls, right? Going into New Game Plus 3 on that. Um, but I've never been, thought of myself as good at pairing. Um, Liza P's all about pairing. Your dodge window sucks. Just going to say that. It absolutely fucking sucks. Um, you have to nail your dodge in order to get the iframe in it doesn't want you to do that unless you spec in a dodge, which I won't spoil it, but like there's a component that you have that you unlock in the story that gives you a better timing window on your dodge. So, and that took me a few hours to get to a point where I got the upgrade where I had the option to upgrade dodge and which I just didn't because I'd already kind of figured out the parry timing on stuff. So, bosses have this thing where they glow red and it's like a dive bomb attack they're about to do to you. And when they do that, they really want you to parry it or dodge way the fuck out of the way or just run away. So, I do one of two things. If I haven't figured out the timing on that thing, I just run away. like <laughs> literally just hold the the sprint button and they just back the fuck away. And if I have figured it out on that boss, like the very, very, very first big boss you have teaches you how to parry basically because that's what you have to do. I got really good at it. It took me probably about 10 attempts, but... Got really good at parrying with that boss and then just fucking smoking him. But, like, you parry enough time you break a weapon that they have. And then if you continue to pour on the fight to them, you build up some hidden gauge that makes their health bar turn white. And if that does that, you run a heavy attack through them, which completely staggers them. And then you click another, like, your light attack button at a certain position on the boss. And then you do a big wallop attack on that boss that's like a... I don't know what they call it, like a vengeance attack or whatever it's called. Um, Yeah. But they want you to learn how to parry because when you parry, you stagger them into that gauge a lot faster. So, I just got better at parrying. Um, I feel like it's, I don't know, a third of a second, which to me is pretty forgiving. I've heard some people bitching about the parry window. I've got it to where I can perfect parry pretty much anything. And it, it does the same thing that Bloodborne does. You can block with your weapon, but you still take damage. Um, And if you attack back after you've taken that damage, like immediately after, then you gain the health back that you lost, basically. So, it's pretty generous with that. Like, it also, when you get out of your fuel for your healing item, um, you just attack enemies and after a while it'll give you one heal back. So, like, there's a whole strategy around, like, if you're at half health and you only have one healing item left, just use the healing item and then build it back up through just normal gameplay to get one more healing item again. Which is more forgiving than Dark the Soul series. And it has this whole mechanic where, like, if you fail a boss fight, it throws your what they call it, Ember or something like that. But anyways, your souls. We'll just call them souls. Right? It throws that at the beginning entrance to the boss fight. So you don't have to pick it up in the boss fight. You just pick it up outside the door. And if you boss rush, at least in a few times that I've done it, once you get to the door, um, like, the enemies un from you, and you unlock shortcuts pretty close from the last, like, res spot to just get over there in, like, two seconds. It's not nearly as bad as, like, I want to say, like, Dark Souls 3 had some areas where you had to go through, like, 25 enemies to get from the last bonfire to the boss. Like, it could be pretty brutal sometimes, and you're the whole time, you're like, I'm just going to try my best to not take any damage before I get to the boss for this next attempt. And after a certain point, you're like, I'm going to figure out how to, like, corpse run all the way back over there to get my shit, which did a lot of in the Souls games. Elden Ring did a little bit better job of that, where the bonfire or whatever it was called um, was pretty close in proximity to where the boss was, so it wasn't as much of a grind. But it's always had a – Liza P really streamlines that. Nice. Um, It takes a really long time to get a weapon upgrade. So, it wants you to progress naturally through the story with your starter weapon for quite a while before it gives you the option of mixing and matching. But you can take the hilt of any weapon and match it with the blade or the weapon part of any weapon. So, since I'm using... I started off with a balanced build to see what I wanted, and then I found out that I really like the dex build. So, I'm literally using the dex build, which is the technique build, for everything, because I figure... I don't know, I just, the dex weapons look neater Um, and have better crit values. Um, So I'm using a full dex build right now and um, like it wants you to progress quite a while. Like it took me all the way into, I don't know, two or three hours in the game before I found a place where I could get another weapon that wasn't one. You can buy the starter weapons like, I don't know, 10 minutes into the game. But like a weapon that a vendor had that I could start mixing and matching weapons. So I have like this electric mace thing that's deck scaling right now, which is weird. Um, And that seems to be doing pretty good um, with my attack patterns. So um, I feel like it's easier than a lot of people are giving it credit for too. Like I said, that first boss until I figured out this is teaching me how to parry gave me some trouble. But I want to say, like they have summons too, right? Like so, you know, Elden Ring. You know enough about it. That you get summons that you can bring into a fight with you. You spend yeah. you spend a resource in this. There's this little pool next to the the boss entrance. You spend resources, and it gives you a guy that helps you take on the fight. Which means if you let them engage the enemy, then they'll take it for you. And the first time, I've only gotten to the point where I can do that once. The first big enemy that lets you do that with. Um, I got him on the second try, which is not normal for me in a Souls game. I was like, oh, this is how this is going. I need to not be using an electric weapon, which I was. So I'll use my starter weapon and beat this guy on my second try after kind of figuring it out and being pretty good at block since I can't dodge or do anything else. So, I don't know. It's pretty enjoyable. I know that it's got a pretty high skill ceiling and at a certain point, like, it'll get nuts. I haven't found myself grinding for anything yet. I'm pretty early on in the game. I'm not even in Chapter 3. I think there's like 15 chapters or something. So, like, it could potentially get a lot harder. It's not Armored Core hard, though. Armored Core 6 is hard as fuck, man. <laughs> it's one of the harder games I've played in a long time. It's harder than Elden Ring. Um,
1: That's saying something.
0: Yeah, because it's six degrees of freedom. You're going up and down, left and right, right? Forward and backward. So, you're... It wants you to be more aerial than you realize that you can be as a mech. And there's a lot of different ways to do that through jumping all over the place with the chicken mechs or boosting way up in the air with the tank tread mechs and then just like dodging around enemies. There's a a set of tank treads that's like the fastest set of ground movement that you can get. And I use that to circle strafe around stuff. If I know it's a boss, I can circle strafe. Um, But... Like I said, you've got flying mechs, right? The tetrapod legs. Like, it's a whole game about experimenting on, like, what build works best against this particular enemy. Um, It's not their best game. It's a good game. I don't know that it's a five out of five. Like, so far, it's a four or five for me right now, It's is what I'd give Armored Core. Four or five. That's a pretty decent score. I like Starfield better. I'm going to say that out loud. I know that's going to piss some people off, but I like... If you're looking for an extreme challenge, like (laughs) armored core is like brutally hard. There are times I've spent two hours on certain bosses, but the point is is I've been able to get past it. Like if I've said, I've never quit the day and was like, I can't pass this boss today. I've just been like, oh, well, if I matched up these two weapons, I saw a stagger gauge using a, you know, filling up when I was using shotguns. So I'm just going to get another one of those shotguns and then dual songbirds. It is again, or dual laser mounted things or whatever it may be. I'm in a spot where I've got to dance a lot, so I've decided to put it down to beat that boss in Liza P. I was like, hey, I'm gonna give it an attempt before we podcast. Literally like 15 minutes later I'd pass the boss. Not even nice. the same it's not even the same league of hard as Armored Core Six. I think I think it's hard, but it's just you can take it at your own pace. Like, it's not nearly... Armored Core wants you to just, really like, bounce it off the fucking walls. It's it's kind of bullet hell-ish. It's just a very fast-paced game. Um, But I am ready for, like, a meat and potatoes slow paced game, and I kind of almost wish I was done with these games so I could go back to Starfield. Or you got Phantom Liberty coming out next week, and there's that big 2.0 update that Removes the armor value from clothes and makes you use cyberware instead to provide better armor values, which is uh, the way it should have been altogether. And then yeah. you've got the whole Phantom Liberty DLC. So I don't know if I'll play that or not. I don't know, man. Like, you saw that Lamplighter's League also comes out on Game Pass, of
2: all things, in like a month, too. Yep. So that comes out. Uh, a little over a week. And then the week after that, I'm, like, busy every fucking day. Right.
1: Yeah, well, it's definitely going to be a busy fall. That's for sure. We're going to have a tough time even touching everything. Yeah. Right.
0: it's There's so much coming out in October, man. Well, we'll talk about that in news. Do we want to take a quick break?
1: Yeah, let's go ahead and take a break.
2: All right, y'all. We'll be back. And
0: we're back. All right. Well, we did dive a lot into uh, just gaming in general. Um, we want want to talk a little bit about s- stuff coming out and a little bit of the news that's come out. Last week, we didn't have a lot of news. So we had to get pretty creative. But this week, um, we did have a few things shake out. And then also, there's a whole lot of game coming out in the next two months. Like, I don't even know how I'm going to get through all of this. So, stay tuned. Maybe I'm going to get through two. I could get through. I might even be able to – I'm not going to commit to this. I could beat Armored Core this weekend, I think. And I think I could beat Liza P by the end of next week. I don't know if I'm going to get into Phantom Liberty next week or not because it's a lot. Um, And that's loading another you know, full 50-ish, 60-ish hour game again into my catalog of things when there's like 17 things coming out the week after.
1: Um, I I'm already of the opinion I'm pushing Phantom Liberty to next year. I don't know that we're gonna do like a DLC of the year kind of thing at the end of the year. Yeah, it, at this point, um, I just gotta focus on finishing Baldur's Gate, getting to Starfield at some point, um, and maybe try and giving Mirage a try. Is that the one that's. I'm not sold on that yet.
0: I'm probably going to wait a second because Lamplighter's League is um, a game that's coming out on Game Pass on October 3rd. And they're the people that made Battletech. It's another strategy game that they have. Again, it's going to be on Game Pass, which is something I pay for, right? It comes out in 10 days. So to me. It seems like a right-up-my-alley kind of thing. Like, they do pretty good with turn-based games. But that comes out October 3rd, which is literally like two Tuesdays from now.
1: I mean, it does make sense going from the RPG-heavy summer that we've had right into a top-down strategy game.
2: Yeah, it's a
0: tactical RPG, and, like, it. I don't know how I feel about the art style being kind of cartoony, Um, but it's a turnbanks tactics game, and, like, I still haven't beat Jagged Alliance, which it's pretty good. It's just it came out, and then, like, a week later, I was playing Baldur's Gate, so it was, it was right. just a timing thing. It's not that that's a bad game. It's just I literally got into something else, and that's another thing in my backlog I'm going to try to pull forward. And try to play instead of playing, you know,
1: well, Baldur's I've got, Gate. I've got, I've got faith in hair brand schemes. Like, if they decide to go the cartoony route with the character and the world design, it's probably because it fits the overall theme and feel of the game really well. Like, I... I have full confidence that they won't just choose that because it's the easy route. You know what I mean? Right. And the thing is, I
0: feel like Assassin's Creed being such a big franchise, I feel like there's going to be a lot of coverage from a lot of other sites for that game. I'll play it, right? Like, it's not like I won't, but like for me, that comes out the fifth. The following week, from Wednesday through Sunday, I'm busy. So like I have that weekend to mess with it, or I could just play Lamplighters League the whole time, and then while I'm traveling, probably play it on my Steam Deck through Game Pass through uh, Cloud, right? So like in my head, that's kind of my game plan. I know I'm not going to get any Assassin's Creed time while I'm traveling, so Lamplighters League will fit that bill a lot better. I'm and I'm hoping to be done done with Eliza P by that point, uh, if it sucks me in enough. So you know. If you are a person like me that watches very little TV and sleeps very little um, and plays a lot of game, then even at my level of gaming and my level of commitment, like I'm looking at October going, fuck, and we haven't even started on the fact that Darktide is going to be out on Series X and S as of October 4th, which also coincides with the huge update they're doing to the classes. So, a big criticism of that game is you had the four classes that you started out with, Right. You have Sharpshooter, you have ogren, you have Psyker, um, and then you have Zealot. And there was a little bit of variety in the builds, but not a lot. And they're adding huge core updates to the skill so you can diversify your build in the same way that you had like, you had like three or four different archetypes per character for Vermintide 2. They're doing something like that where you have abilities that fit into certain builds, but you can cross over back and forth because they have a giant-ass skill tree um, for that. So, in regards to that, and I'm showing you, Jason, right? Like, there's a big skill tree where you have, like, three basic archetypes, but you can build into those and kind of cross over at different points to make varied builds between those three archetypes that you could, you could go down and straight down one tree or you can cross over back and forth to make something that
2: fits your play style a little bit better. So I don't know. That looks like one, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. That's very easy. Like you're going to be able to, depending on how much they give you per level. Seems like that's a, that's
0: a pretty interesting thing. And I think it's good timing, right? They're going to do that update at the same time they release it on Series X. So, I think that ought to be interesting, but not to – again, that's two things and three things in week one of October. Um, Also in October, um, you've got Lords of the Fallen coming out on October 13th. And that'll be uh, the Friday that I'm at a wedding, out of state. A thousand miles away, (laughs) which I want to play it, but ain't happening that weekend. Um, you've got Endless Dungeon, which comes out on the 19th, the following week. Which I likely have not beat the other three games by that point. Um, which I do want to play that a lot. I've played the demo of that, liked it quite a bit. Love to play with you guys too, especially if it comes out on Game Pass. That'd be awesome. But who knows. And then Lord of the Rings Return to Moria, which is the mining-slash-crafting game, comes out in a month on October 24th, which is the last full week of October. And then you've got Alan Wake 2 coming out on October 27th, right before Halloween, So, which I really want to play that, and that comes out the Friday after that. Is
1: that coming out on, is that? uh
0: PlayStation. Wake, playstation xbox and pc oh okay cool yeah it'll be out on pc um and i know you're a big alan wake guy it's a really narrative driven game
2: i'm interested to see what they do with it and uh i mean that game and and um fucking uh My brain's really not working. Um, What were you trying to say there about Alan Wake?
1: What was uh, the other one they did
2: in that universe? Uh, Control. uh, uh, Control. Yeah. God, those are two great games. Yeah. And then the following month, like, it may be just too late for me to get through them, but I'm going to try. Um,
0: not sure if I'm going to play Rogue City, Robocop Rogue City that comes out on the 2nd. We'll see. I'm going to look at the reviews on that, look at a lot of the gameplay, and probably look at ACG. That's somebody I trust. Broken Roads, though, on the 14th, I am going to play. That's a weird Survivor turn-based RPG that's coming out on PC um, that I've been looking forward for a while. And then two games coming out in December that I'm looking forward to trying out is Warhammer 40K Rogue Trader, which is a CRPG in the Warhammer uh, universe. And then SteamWorld Build, um, which is a weird building crafting game in the SteamWorld universe, which
2: I've played all of those games.
0: But yeah, like,
2: there's a lot that's coming out in a very short amount of time Um, in the next two and a half months. That
0: just, I don't know that I have enough time to get through all of this stuff. I'm going to try, but I'm going to pace myself because I want to enjoy it too. I play enough video games that I'm going to be able to just, you know, figure out what's next. I probably won't pre-purchase something if I'm in the middle of playing something else. So yeah. we'll just see. Um, I'm just able to do what I'm doing right now because I've had armored core. I, I actually pre purchased that. And then Liza P's on freaking game pass. So if you have PC game pass, man, you should be playing that if you're interested at all.
2: Oh, absolutely. But yeah,
0: the, uh, game release schedule the next six weeks or, yeah, six, six, six weeks is pretty fanatical. Um, and So I think that we're going to get to a point where we're just so busy
1: it's like not even funny. But um, you had some stuff too, right? I do. So I've got some stuff that's way more news-centric. Um, and we'll start with the we'll start with the big ones so earlier this week um there were some uh some big details around Microsoft and Xbox that were uh that were leaked um through basically through the um opening of of a lot of the FTC uh court documents from earlier this year and a few few interesting nuggets came out of that um like one being in the in about the 2 year time span before game pass uh uh really started taking off in year 2 um microsoft was actually thinking of leaving the gaming space completely if Game Pass wasn't successful because
2: they had invested um, Oh, I don't know why I'm sneezing so bad yet. um, They had invested something like um, $3 billion
1: in designing and building out that infrastructure for Game Pass.
2: A lot so, of money.
1: Yeah, so Game Pass was a make or break um
2: decision as far as direction. Oh, your stream closed. That freaked me out there for a second. Um uh, but the the success uh
1: that it is has had um,
2: kind of turned that around now that said um, they still
1: initially projected that they could reach over 100 million subscribers by
2: 2030 Um, uh, but Spencer actually
1: during the proceedings Um, suggested that the company most likely will be reorienting reorienting that strategy if it doesn't achieve that milestone by 2026 or 2027. So the growth over the last few years has been such that they're kind of going to call it a missed goal if they don't hit it earlier, which says a lot about the product, right? But they've got putting out the good product that they're putting out
0: now it's just taken a long time to catch up like they did say and starfield was not a bust for them um there was a lot of worry that if they didn't get that right like there are some things that need fixing with that game i won't deny um but like they had 10 million players right with like 6 million plus of those being on game pass on starfield so, like they finally had something that had the count to justify the money, you know what I mean,
1: yeah, now, granted, a lot of what Spencer was saying there could be taken with a grain of salt, though because they could be trying to make it make their position in the gaming market look weak weaker than it actually is
0: for acquisitions
1: for for the purpose of the Activision Blizzard acquisition.
0: Yeah, that immediately came to mind when you said that, because they've been doing that now for like a year and a half.
1: Yep. And
0: Um, if they could get Call of Duty plus World of Warcraft and Diablo, like those are big wins for them. Those are two very big studios. I'm not a big Call of Duty guy, but I know that that's a huge player base of people that literally just play that game. Like there are people that play video games and there are people that just play Call of Duty um, and have been for like 20 years. So yes. like that player account is something that a lot of companies want. and I understand why PlayStation is really holding hard on that because it is such a big franchise for them. And okay. it, it's just it's like the whole console wars thing. Like that's the whole, one of the big reasons that Starfield was getting review bombed is it's a xbox and pc exclusive and so you have to have one of those two things to get it and of course you know playstation users can't play it unless they have a pc or they have an xbox so there's a lot of haterade going out again there's some things that it doesn't do great i understand that but as a jack-of-all-trades open world game there's a, there's nothing that beats that i like guess it is right. it is a perfect lose yourself game it's yeah. proven by the fact that I've got 160 hours in that game already inside of a month.
1: Right. Yeah, it's it it it's a decent hit. It just it didn't have the the buying punch that um, uh, that Baldur's Gate 3 did. But at the same time, people didn't have any other choice. You had to buy it to play it. Right. Wasn't on Game Pass. Well,
0: similarly, Baldur's Gate Gate wasn't on Game Pass or on Xbox. It gets a release date, I want to say in like November or later this year, they're going to put it on Xbox, not on Game Pass. Because Larian's already decided it's too popular for (laughs) you to have to just buy it. But uh, like it's at a point where you know, PlayStation users got to play that, where no other console user got to play that. Um, So, kind of tit for tat, right? But Bethesda is now a, a Microsoft-exclusive studio, which makes a lot of people on... There's a lot of people younger than us that are caught up in the same console war bullshit we were 10, 15 years ago. Um, And back when we had less disposable income where it was a big deal to buy both consoles at the same time um, or have less options. I mean, you've got consoles plus PC for you to play. I've got, I don't have Xbox, but everything that's on Xbox, that's exclusive comes out on PC. So I have a PC and I have, you know, a PlayStation. I've just decided that I'm not going to get into a space. There's no need for me to get the console. I'm just going to get the same version of games that I can run much better on my PC. Um and we've already established between me and John that Diablo has got pretty good crossplay, so um I don't know. I understand that there's a lot of 20-somethings and teenagers out there that play video games that want to get into this console war beef. Yeah.
1: But continuing that same line, along with those leaks came some new details about the restructuring of the acquisition um, to assuage uh, some of the concerns over in the EU and in Britain.
2: What did you uh, find?
1: Where uh, they've redrawn up the deal so that Activision Blizzard's uh, uh, cloud licenses uh for the cloud portion of the gaming uh will be sold to ubisoft instead. Interesting. Um so this is to assuage the fears of everybody over in Europe that uh that the acquisition would give Microsoft a overwhelming uh monopoly on cloud gaming services. Um and then uh just a funny anecdote that came out of some of the documents, apparently there was an email between Phil Spencer and two of the Microsoft's CMOs, uh uh where Spencer uh described Nintendo as a prime asset and at some point getting Nintendo would be a career moment, and I honestly believe a good move for both companies. Though he did acknowledge in the same email that it would be difficult as Nintendo is sitting on a big pile of cash and it would take them a long time to see that their future exists
2: as a developer developing games for hardware other than their own. A long
1: time.
2: <laughs> I can Which see Which I thought
1: was interesting. He's got his, he's, he's got his eyes on that apple pie high in the sky.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of apple, um, I was actually going down a YouTube hole, and of course, you know, I'm interested. I'm not an apple fan because I don't like the weird walled garden, as Rusty puts it of Apple products, but there is some pretty impressive tech under the hood of the iPhone 15. I was watching some Japanese YouTuber um review the iPhone 15 with Resident Evil and it was like 1500 by 768 or something like that resolution at 30 fps, but it was playing Resident Evil. He had it hooked up to a monitor, had his phone connected to a controller and, you know, had it, it's funny that it now it's got USB-C, but USB-C out to HDMI to the monitor, and he was playing Resident Evil on a full-screen TV through his phone, which is interesting, except for the fact, like, what happens when you get notifications from everybody while you're in, while you're playing a game, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which, that could be really distracting. You're in the middle of playing this awesome, immersive, single-player experience, and you got text messages popping up on the screen, and then... You know, um, maybe you're in a a situation where those text messages shouldn't be seen by your kids, right? Um, (laughs) So, like,
2: it's an interesting concept. I think it's cool that, like, it can do that. I kind of want my phone
0: technology separated from my gaming technology, though, which is why the Steam Deck is just awesome for my use case um, for any kind of mobile gaming. But, like, I think it's a pretty... Cool thing that they're able to do what they're doing. I don't know what the selection of games are, but the tech itself was pretty impressive with what they're doing with the iPhone 15. Um, but speaking of handheld, like, so I haven't gotten around to Mortal Kombat. I don't know if I'm playing that this year or not. Um, but
1: I, I definitely want to. I will say I've watched a lot of the gameplay for it just because I want to see, um, you know they've done really great with uh the character designs and the character models in in the last 3 games right um and i kind of wanted to to see a little bit how the how the game would start considering this is supposedly a new reboot and a brand new timeline after the end of the last game I need to –
0: I've got a real good friend, a a pretty decent friend of mine that's one of the lead developers of the game. I need to ask him what the single-player content's like because I don't – I'm nowhere near good enough to play the competitive stuff on that game. Um, And if there's a lot of single-player content, then it would be something that I play this year. Um, It's like the only fighting game that I actually play, you know?
1: I can tell you that, uh, if you were to, and I didn't watch this whole thing because I didn't want to spoil the game for myself, but I did find several, uh, videos on YouTube that are just
2: like all of the, uh, cutscenes for it and all the cutscenes alone are four hours. Damn. So, and from the
1: from the twenty first twenty minutes worth of it that I
2: watched, it looks like the story is going to be pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean the the last one had a pretty. Boone and team uh,
1: are really maxing themselves out on this one.
0: It's something that's been unique to the franchise, where like Street Fighter has been very much a you know a multiplayer experience, right, and a tournament fighter, and they've done really good in that space. And I know that Street Fighter released this year. I don't do fighting games like I used to because I don't have anybody to play with and. I'm not in a space where I want to play competitively with people that know life that game. Got a couple of... I've got a work friend of mine that know life's that game that's exceptionally good and way better than I'll ever be. So it's like the only person I know that plays the game, you know, is going to put hundreds of hours into it, you know? But I just... Yeah. That's not the style of game that I typically play. So for me, it's, all right, I'm done with all these narrative experiences am I in a space
2: that I can play that right now? And if I am, then yeah, I'll give her a rip, you know, but I mean, yeah, it's definitely going to be,
1: I think it'll be an enjoyable experience. Um, and then the last, uh, last couple pieces of news I have here, um,
2: is, uh, the newest patch for Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, uh, some of the things included in the patch other than just
1: general small bug fixes. Uh, you will now be able to uh, change your character's appearance throughout the
2: game. Oh yeah, finally.
1: Um, so you can finally uh You know, alter your hair, yada, yada, yada. Can't change your race, of course, but you can at least alter your character's appearance throughout the story if you decide you don't like something. Um, But be careful, because it could also alter your story, depending on some of the choices you decide to make there. Um, I'm sure it's in very small ways uh like with characters just noticing it etc but they do
2: include that warning there um and then uh PlayStation
1: uh revealed uh earlier this week that uh a couple important pieces of information regarding Spider-Man 2 um as we know, it's launching as a PS5 exclusive. Insomniac it has said that the game will be running at 40 FPS. And that ray tracing will be on as default, no matter what other graphical settings you select.
0: You're really pushing that system, huh?
1: they must be cuz i mean it's amd hardware and in my experience ray tracing on amd hardware is not great
2: i would tend to agree with you on that um so i mean well we'll see
1: how it goes that definitely makes me want to want to watch and see what happens with it um I mean, who knows? Maybe that particular architecture handles
2: it better, but uh, NVIDIA's ray tracing, even now,
1: the second generation ray tracing on the NVIDIA 30 series cards is still a better ray traced experience than even the newest AMD graphics cards.
0: Yeah, I haven't heard anything good about ray tracing on the uh on anything on anything AMD that even comes close to performing as good as Nvidia's stuff because of DLSS.
1: Well, it's not even um necessarily DLSS as much as it is just the fidelity of the rays.
0: Well, uh, if you watch so, a a good... Ex- Digital Foundry does a lot of good videos on stuff, but, like, if you watch what FSR2 looks like on Jedi versus DLSS, like, FSR2 is a muddy mess. It looks like shit. Um, DLSS looks a hell of a lot better than FSR2. Um, especially when it comes to, like, particle effects and stuff like that. Like, it changes the way lighting looks. Whereas DLSS is just... A much smoother upscaler than FSR. Like AMD I think has cornered the market in CPUs, but NVIDIA has definitely cornered the market in graphics cards. Um there is until NVIDIA really catches up, and I'm and unless I'm in a budget market for something, like I'm gonna continue to be Team Green for a while. Um because yeah. it just nothing that AMD's put out has really even come close. The only thing they've really done good is, like, make the market for budget gaming better um, and brought down the cost of the 4070 by 50 bucks because the – was it the 6800? Was it – I don't know which one it is. Maybe one of the budget cards that is comparable to a 4070 that Radeon has um, is, like, 500 bucks. So, they took the 4070 and dropped it from 600 to 550, which is good. Like, the four series cards are powerful as fuck. And a 4070 is going to get you even past the level, you know, the Series 3 cards. So, like if you're on the... Again, I would just go Team Green in that case, right? Spend it at 50 extra bucks and get a better card that'll do ray tracing and frame insertion. And frame insertion's a game changer on stuff like um, Cyberpunk. I'm literally playing on ultra settings, right? Again, I'm playing the hog, right? But I can max out my frame rate with Cyberpunk with full ray tracing on Psycho and match my TV's frame rate. Whereas I don't, you know, and that's with frame insertion, frame insertion, like pushes it all the way up to the limit. Um, And I can't tell a difference between frame insertion on and off, except for Witcher for a while when they first implemented it, like it would get a little herky jerky sometimes. And the only thing I can think of, it looks like the game is like constantly catching up sometimes, or at least it did. I haven't played it since then. But, um, we were talking about Mortal Kombat. Um, if you want to see something funny, um, just look at the Switch version of the new Mortal Kombat versus any other version. It looks like the shaders are turned off and they're using like lower resolution textures by a long shot. Everybody looks really bug-eyed. Um, there's no lighting shaders on any... Well, I mean, there is, but it's like really rudimentary. It looks like... A game from the two thousands it really does because it's just low poly everything um everything looks plastic, everything it looks like unity assets, like not to dog on them too bad, but like they made it work on a switch, but I wouldn't get the switch switch version unless it was like thirty bucks and I had no other options um it looks like hot garbage, and you need to be a really big fan um Something else I was just going to just quickly mention too, um, because Rusty was like needing widescreen support, I started looking at like what games like Starfield look like in widescreen and having a 32 by 9 resolution, which is like double the inches on the left and right of my current TV, um, made me really want a 57 inch gaming monitor. That <laughs> 32 by nine made by Samsung. It's called the Odyssey Neo G9. Problem is, it's like $2,500. And uh, I could be a whale, but I don't want to be that much of a whale because it sounds stupid. Um, but it does look really neat to play stuff in ultra wide. Now I kind of get why Rusty does it, to be honest with you. I've been satisfied with 16 by nine for a while, but like ultra wide curved display does seem really fucking neat.
1: Yeah.
0: Um that's more display than I'd be used to. Um something else that just kinda just quickly going through some stuff. Um Star Citizen has had six hundred million dollars worth of funding over the last like ten years. So almost a hundred million a year. It's at Alpha 3.2 stage. Um it's still there's some really strong defenders of that series. I'd like to see it hit a one point uh, before I even give it a try. I do want to actually try it if that does the things that I want it to do. Like, if it takes the place of a sim game like Elite Dangerous and does that really good, I'd love to play that, but, like, to my knowledge, they haven't expanded on the Galaxy that much and the story mode for that game is still not implemented. It's just huge sandbox for the moment. So, i am just been putting it off and not giving them any money till it actually becomes a thing. Um... Evil Dead is not getting any new updates. The Switch version got canceled. Um, that's being made by Saber Interactive. So, that game, I guess, is not doing so hot. And so, it's kind of sad, but I was also sad that it turned out to be an asymmetrical multiplayer game Um, when it came out. I really <laughs> wanted something that was just Evil Dead
2: and not Dead by Daylight or the Jason versus uh, the Jason game. Yeah. Um. So, the uh, Striking Distance Studios was the studio that had a bunch of
0: former developers from Dead Space that made Callisto protocol call. Apparently, that was more of a flop than I even I realized. So, they had a budget of like $120 million and they only moved like 3 million units and then you needed to move like 12 or 10 or 12 million units to make their money back. So, sunk a lot of money into a game that didn't quite get off the ground and apparently, from talking to Trent and anybody else that played it, it wasn't a really long game that had some kind of clunky combat and just, I think Trent really wants to like it, but like it did not hit the same dead space marks that he wanted it to. So, coming from somebody like him who was really into that, like that's kind of sad, but they just didn't deliver on what they were promising. Um. If you get a chance, you should look at the new Dra- Dragon's Dogma 2 gameplay. It looks like Dragon's Dogma, just with way updated graphics. Like, you can try to run the old Dragon's Dogma at a pretty high frame rate and a pretty high resolution, and it still looks like an old game. It's a good game. It's a little clunky. It's pretty fun, though. Um, It looks pretty good. Plays the same. Looks the same. Has a little bit more interactive encounters. I'm all for it. I don't know when that's coming out, but I am, my body is ready. And then finally, the other small update I got is Sea of Thieves finally getting a solo mode. I don't know exactly what that entails, but the problem with Sea of Thieves was A, I couldn't pause it, and B, I was always playing with other people that just wanted to troll me. And it was a pretty simplistic game. So, like, it had really good sail physics and really good water physics, but I got pretty bored with it after a while. Um,
2: I'm glad that it has a solo mode and it's on game pass. So, um, yeah, like it's still a big old sandbox and solo mode. So, and it has decreased rewards. Yeah. I'm still not going to play that. All right. Well,
0: I guess I'm still not playing, um, Sea of Thieves, but Hey, if you want to play easy mode, Sea of Thieves, there is that update. Um, that's coming out go. soon. But that was all I had for news. What else did you have that we haven't covered?
1: Mm, really, that's about it. All right. Well, where can you find us? Find us at tiltcast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash tiltcast. Our YouTube channels, youtube.com slash real tiltcast, and search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe.
0: Find some friends to the show. You got cabbage. Um, You've got For the Love of Gaming, you've got NoQuarters.net, BMFCast.com, and TVGP.TV. They play CRPGs and Bethesda games. And with that, it's the end of the show.
2: All right. Peace.